This week on Ultra 64, we teach you how to blast your core in five easy steps. Welcome to Ultra 64, we are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different, randomly chosen game from the Nintendo 64 catalog, and we are playing it, and we are drifting into buildings until they explode, and we are having a good damn time with it. My name is Steve Guntling. I am dump truck driver extraordinaire Woody Siskowski. <laughs> Welcome. Sliding into your <laughs> podcast machines. Alright, so my uh, my dad, until recently retired, but my dad for a long time, like 20 years, his job was driving one of those big dump trucks uh-huh. that you play in this game. Yes. He worked at a gold mine in Cripple Creek, Colorado, oh. hauling gold. <laughs> um, and, nice. Uh, those things are not built for speed. Okay. They are not built for drifting. Um, they could crush a house, though. So are you saying perhaps Blast Core, the mm-hmm. game we played this week, yeah. not the most realistic game? Generally, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, except for the building crushing. Like, my dad's like six foot three. He's like a tall dude, and he, he has a, there's a picture of him posing next to one of the tires in the truck that okay. he drives, and it's like twice his height at okay. least. Uh, so, yeah. Those would be uh, formidable to drive through a, a but city or village. But the robot physics in this game, very accurate. Oh, dead the on. The uppercutting robot physics. The uppercutting, de- I mean, so yes, we are talking about Blast Core, because what other game gives you uppercutting robots except for every game with a robot suit? That we don't play, generally. We don't play, generally, but you this know is, what? This These is a the... rule of Steve and I taste. We don't like wrestling games, we don't like mech games, but we like this game. We like mech games when they get snuck into other car games. Yeah. I feel like uh, I, you know, you have to roll the mech out slowly, and that's what Blast Core does. Blast Core is a very unique game in a lot of different it ways. Fit, it fits into no genre. It fits it's into the, the one genre ge- of Blast Core. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a Blast Core. Everything that comes after that rips us off has to be a Blast Core esque or a Blast yeah. Core like or something like that. Of which but, there has not been enough. Yeah, um, and it, I can't think. There aren't too many games that are like a genre of one. I'm having a hard time thinking of too many off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, write in ultra sixty four podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. Tell us what you think is a game that is in a genre of one. But Blast Core is also unique in another way in that it is that rare, uh, underappreciated rare game. It's a magical unicorn of a game because usually people are tripping over themselves to, to uh, buy, throw their money on, and their praise at rare like, Ooh, games. Ooh, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Take my I money, that. Yes. Literally not as much respect to Blast Core. Not so much. People kind of forgot about it. I think uh, the, the studio... You know, they produce the biggest games on the system, and this one just gets kind of slept on. And I think it's because the release date, like this came out in uh, early 97, kind of just a little, let's see, so it was a few months ahead of GoldenEye, which mm-hmm. is the third best-selling game on the system. It was a few months ahead of Diddy Kong Racing, which is the seventh best-selling game on the system. And it came out like two or three weeks after Mario Kart 64. So people were spending their money elsewhere this year. And it doesn't like the design of this game doesn't have like the characters like this is a tough game to sell yeah because diddy kong racing you're like hey remember the best donkey kong country game now you get to play as now you get to race as that guy right and Uh, now it's also kind of like you know how do you convince people to play with dump trucks and bulldozers in a video game like yeah you know that's why i think they snuck those mechs in there in the end too like just to add a little something different but yeah, yeah. This, the human element of this game is kind of lacking you play as pixelated green man yeah who just looks very blurry and the other there's two other I, characters i can see in that his game, little hands are very sharp i yeah. think he has little forks for hands that's all i know there's also a blurry busty woman mm-hmm. um who is very difficult to tell any of her features. Coming up on um, stage, Blurry Busty! <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, who, at the end of the level, will say, no trouble at all, even though you've spent 15 attempts trying to beat this level. Right. She's like, no trouble at all. And you're like, come on! Those are alternate <laughs> timelines. Yeah, yeah, those didn't happen, yeah. Um, uh, and then there's the worried the worried driver, who has the, uh, as the missile cart, as we will explain soon, gets mm. close to the buildings, clutches his hands to his head, and goes, Is this such a good idea? <laughs> and then you get the random little survivors on the ground oh, who are yeah. somehow, like, 
much smaller than your driver, right? Because yeah. when your driver gets yeah. out of the car, the, the little guy, survivors are still much, much smaller than you. So you're already a giant driving a giant truck. Uh, and they don't really address that, but that's okay. This game has one of the most contrived, nonsensical premises mm. of any game. Which, which itself was recycled into the, a movie starring Denzel Washington later. So Wait, really? Kind of, right? Unstoppable? Did I, I don't know that? this movie. Okay, Unstoppable. It's a really fun, like, Tony Scott movie with Denzel Washington and Chris Pine. And they play two train conductors who are tasked with stopping a runaway train that has, like, uh, uh, explosive toxic material in oh, it. Oh, okay. That's picking up speed. It's on its way to hit Philadelphia. So they have to chase it in another train, get on that train, and then slow it down before it hits Philadelphia. Okay. Fun little movie, and that's what they reminded me of here. Um, But before we get too much into Blastcore, I want to talk a little bit about this little subgenre that Blastcore is definitely a part of, if not, it's not all of its identity, but... uh, Destruction simulators, destruction games. Okay. There's some games that are kind of... I mean, most games you play now will have some element of destructible environments. But there are a few games that really, really revel in it Mm -hmm. and kind of let you play around with it. So, like, on the N64 alone, we have Battle Tanks, which we already discussed. Oh, yeah, of course. The destruction in that kind of looked more like a building melting than a building exploding. Just kind of vanishes. Yeah, Yeah, just kind of... I mean, I think the effect they were going for was rubble, but uh, it kind of just looks like somebody poured water on it. Yeah. Um, We have a Body Harvest, which we have not discussed yet, but that has a big, heavy destruction element to it. I'm very curious about that game. Me too. But there are a handful of games that kind of build their mechanic around it, and uh, the the one that springs to mind for me is Red Faction. Okay. Have you played much Red Faction? No, I have not. Um, so the first one, or the first couple of them are kind of just your standard first-person shooters, but the mechanic of that and the gimmick was always that all the destruct- environments are destructible. So if you don't have a key to a door, you can just use a rocket launcher to blast a hole through the, like, ground in the around the door and go around Got it. Got it. Uh, And those were kind of fun, and those were enjoyable. But then with uh, Red Faction Guerrilla, which I think was the third or fourth game, they kind of rebooted completely. It stopped being a first-person shooter game, and now it's a third-person destructathon. Okay. You walk around on the surface of Mars instead of down in the mines, and you have a gigantic super-powered hammer, and all you do is knock down buildings and hit trucks and everything like that. And I have not played it, but I'm kind of intrigued by it. Um Especially because they just released a 10-year bonus version, like a remastered version, except they called it Remarstered. Okay. And uh, that pun uh, made me cringe enough and also made me say Marsturd. Peaked your interest. Um, The game that I remember as sort of being a destruction simulator is the game Mercenaries. Oh. I think the subtitle for it was Playground of Destruction. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It it was the first or the second, yeah. Yeah, it was an open world game that kind of courted some controversy because I think it takes place in South Korea and the North Koreans had invaded. Mm. Yeah. but it has a lot of the features are like you can just call in a tank to get dropped in front of you or call in giant airstrikes yeah. um, and things like that. I don't feel like it factored in too much into the gameplay itself, but it was it was a nice way to do an open – because I don't care for open world games too much, but it was a good way to do it to just be like, oh, you can just bowl through this whole city. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another game kind of like that uh, that – I feel like this is a series I should like more. Uh, but just cause. Oh yeah, you played those games. Uh, only enough to be like, this. I'm entertained by this, and mm. then I stop playing. I it's, see. I is one of the great grappling hook games. Oh, it is but, like a yeah. fantastic grappling hook game. Like I played uh, Just Cause two, <laughs> and I played that one quite a bit. I really liked it, despite like. I never skip the story, but I 100% skip the story in Just Cause 2. I think that they are bad games. They're just kind of fun to dick around in. Yeah. And I mean, the two mechanics in that, it's like you have a a grappling hook parachute combo. So it's really, really fun to just kind of cruise around the world, like pulling yourself along. It'll be like a a helicopter will go by and you'll like grapple on the helicopter. And then you could zip up to the helicopter and steal it. Or you could just ride on top of a plane or something. Like really super goofy. And it's got a very in-depth like destruction mechanic. Most... Uh, missions revolve around you coming into a camp and blowing everything up and then leaving. But I feel like we might be giving the wrong idea of what Blast Core is because these yes. games that we've described are all pretty open-ended. That's and the thing. this game is the opposite of that. Right, and that's why I said it's like it doesn't totally fit into this, but like I feel like this very much has the spirit of like destruction as a fun mechanic yeah. in yeah, that's true. in play. The last one I'll recommend of this kind of subgenre would be uh, Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction, a really fun like pre-MCU Hulk <laughs> game. And that had like 
their physics engine in that they called the unstoppable movement. <laughs> so basically, uh, which sounds like a giant poop, but it also it just means that like nothing can slow the Hulk down. So you can go through smaller buildings, or if it's a bigger building that you can't plow through, you'll run up the side of it. Okay, and they uh, kind of, it kind of feels like they adopted that for the new Spider-Man game because, a little bit. like. Yeah, if you just hold sort of a but the web sling button, he'll just keep going, and if uh, he gets to a building, he'll just run up it. Which is like a really satisfying and fun mechanic, right. and it works better in Spider-Man than it did in the Incredible Hulk. But that is still a fun one to track down if you still have your PS2 laying around. Anyway, let's you get still into Blast have your N64 laying around. Why the, not pop in some Blastcore? Who's the Segway King now? Yeah. You've taken it from me. Blastcore <laughs> was released. Take this crown over no, here. No, damn it! And ride and take this Segway here oh, and ride no. around in a circle. Oh God, I've got no reason to live anymore. Well, um, you do. you got to tell us about Blastcore. I do. That's my one thing. Oh, man, this is going to be a hard episode to end. <laughs> yeah, I I'm know. I'm going to be crying by the end of this one. Uh, Blastcore was released on March 31st. Tw- uh, March 30. 31st on uh, 1997. <laughs> it's actually March 24th. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me today. 1997. <laughs> Developed by Rare and published by Nintendo. And this is an N64 exclusive. Uh, so there's a rather in-depth plot. And so I got the entire thing from the manual, if you uh, don't mind the indulgence here. Blast Corps. Leaders in the field of heavy-duty demolition through a combination of skill, experience, and cutting-edge technology. Since its birth, the company has provided its unique talents to the problems of urban decay, renovating and revitalizing cities from one end of the country to the other. A far cry from the senseless warfare amidst which the seeds of the project was sown in the heavy vehicle development bay at the military base called Rafters. While demonstrating a great natural flair, the founders of the group, Amber, Clark, Wesley, and Spike, were never happy with the ultimate purpose of their machines. So when Wesley was cruelly rejected following the field accident that left him disabled, his friends finally rebelled and led the infamous Rafters walkout. Blast Corps came into being soon after. It was That was five years ago, but now, in the present day, world peace is shattered as mankind faces crisis on a worldwide scale. A pair of defective nuclear missiles en route route to a safe detonation site have begun to leak. Badly damaged, the carrier automatically locks onto the most direct route. Bad memories resurface for the Blast Corps team when, summoned to their nation's defense, they find out where the warheads originated, a certain nearby military base. The flood of radiation prevents anyone from getting close to the runaway carrier, and people in the know fear that even the slightest jolt could trigger a catastrophic explosion. Standing as the world's final hope, Blast Corps must clear a way to to ground zero, gather a team of six elite scientists, and ultimately counter the threat of nuclear winter. Wow, that is... None of that comes across in the story Well, it comes across that there's a renegade nuclear missile that's going on a set path, and Mm -hmm. you have to knock down the buildings in front of it. That they... It's amazing how much story was in that description that, like you said, does not come across in the game. The game comes across in little bite-sized chunks, like little puzzle chunks. And this feels pretty epic and, like... (laughs) This is it's a little weird bit that they like, gave like everyone like a a backstory. Like someone got injured on a previous mission. Yeah, who the fuck is Wesley? Yeah. Do we see Wesley not in this by, game? No, we is, don't know because nobody's assume, named. I assume Spike is the guy with the fork hands because that would <laughs> okay. make sense. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we we don't get much of that. But I like that this story. I like that like they got to fill up that manual with something. Right. Yeah. This was this was only two pages of it. Um, Actually, most of the manual pages are just giant uh, full-size pictures of the vehicles you drive with a small uh, control description. So, yeah, they did need to fill up. Well, what I will say um, when this one thing to start keeping on the praise early, Mm -hmm. um, this game does a very good job of introducing you to the mechanics. So they don't need a lot of description in the manual. Like um, the first level, you have a lot of different vehicles in this game. This game is all about different vehicles and the way they control and switching between them and but each time you play a new vehicle for the first time there's like a training level with nice big font mm-hmm. that shows you what you have to do and gives you red arrows to follow and just gives you a very easy level to time yourself on so yeah. like nothing really catches you by surprise um once you have to take it for real oh right yeah yeah, yeah. a big difference between the easy levels early on and the levels later on um with a, a massive spike in difficulty but I don't know. I kind of like the premise of this game. I like the uh, the A team kind of style of like them being rejected and forming their own band of do gooders. And it's weird how little, yeah, just how little that. There's no cutscenes in this game. No. Um, there's very. I don't know if there's there's very little text in general between levels. It's like when you complete, there's like six easy levels, and you get there's like you've completed the easy levels, and then there's 
12 medium levels, etc. I don't know. This game has a lot of levels. Yeah. I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, and they definitely spike in difficulty, but there's no real flavor here. And this is the weird... This is why I don't think this game is particularly well-remembered or well and you know, was super successful, is it just doesn't have that colorful character that we know from Rare. Right. That sort of stick in people's mind. And and to be clear, this game was not like a flop. It no. sold like... Five. For most for most third party games, it sold pretty damn yeah. well. But for Rare, it was kind of underperformed, so that it, it gets kind of pushed aside in favor of uh, more successful properties. It has some strange like aesthetic choices in the game because like the story that you just described sounds kind of dark. I mean, like it does all- not match the tone of the game no. at all. But I like. The thing I like about the game is that there isn't really any villains. Like, there's no right. there's no bad guys that you're fighting. So the implication that there's a secret military base, like, that's all behind the scenes. You're not fighting any villains in this. You're just trying to clear a path. You're just fighting buildings. Just fighting buildings, clearing a path, trying to save everybody from this missile explosion. So pretty straightforward. But I like that they went into that. And a lot of the supplemental story for this game was filled out through a series of comics that were in Nintendo Power. And these were later compiled into a, uh, a single edition by Dark Horse Comics, which I am trying to find. I don't know if they've included the uh, comic strip from Germany, the German Nintendo Power, where they crossed over with Yoshi's Cookie and uh, joined up with Yoshi and tried to solve uh, blow-ups and cookies. This is true. This is a real thing. Wait, what? Yeah, they, they, they team up with Yoshi. Uh, the Blast Corps comes in and helps Yoshi. Uh, uh, I, I don't know the entire story there, but I, I thought don't read German. that this size was going to be some really ornate setup to, like, some poop joke. Oh, no, like, no, no. Have you, you know those Pearls Before Swine comics? <laughs> sure. Where, like, they give, like, this innate setup and give this bad pun at the end, and yeah. then it shows, like, rat punching Steven Pestis. Sure. And I thought that's what this was going to no, be. Oh, no, no. No. You like the Blast Corps teamed up with Yoshi in a German comic. No, and then you would have some more <laughs> no, no. play on words because it no. just sounded like nonsense. It did sound, yeah. No, I can hear it now, but it yeah. was definitely no. This is real. Yeah, the Blast Corps teamed up with Yoshi in some of these comics, uh, but I, I don't know the actual story behind it. But I do like the idea that that's an elaborate joke setup. I wish I was that clever. Uh, so yeah, the gameplay here. Uh, a lot of the, the goal of the game is just to use various vehicles to destroy buildings. Mm-hmm. That's kind of your core crux of it. You're just trying to clear a path. Once you've done that, you can explore the level a little bit. You run around trying to find these little blinking lights called RDUs or radiation disposal units. Uh, there's a certain number per stage, and you just need to try I think and there, them Yeah, all. there's usually like a, I think there's 100 per stage Probably 100, or something like that. Yeah, usually that's right. You can also go around and find uh, human survivors hidden in some of the non-essential buildings. You know, so like there's essential buildings that are highlighted with green arrows. These are what you need to clear to get uh, the missile clear. As the character gets closer to those, they, the arrows turn red, and you st- the music starts to get more panicked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that guy that you were talking about starts shouting in your ear about, yeah. like, oh, hurry up! Um, so you, there are eight different vehicles to choose from, uh, and you get a couple of different vehicles for each level. Sometimes you just get one. Sometimes you have a choice between a few. Yeah, so your basic vehicle, sort of the intro- introduction um, standard Leonardo vanilla-type vehicle is your bulldozer, hmm. which controls very nicely. It's not super fast, but it's very straightforward. You just drive into buildings and run them over. Yeah. And occasionally you'll encounter buildings that are too big to run over, so you need to push TNT box into them um, and when things start to get really tricky near the later levels basically you have to push a TNT box onto a train drive that train farther down the line and then get into a new vehicle to push it into a building stuff it's, like that it's complicated yeah you press the Z, the Z button to jump out of your vehicle at any time and then getting into another vehicle is just as simple as walking into it right. like you don't need to press anything special um, let's go into the different vehicles yeah. here so we have the ram dozer this is kind of the default vehicle yeah, so it's the- just it's just a bulldozer it does what bulldozers do it bulldozes uh, it can't really handle larger buildings, like you said, but you can push boxes and explosives. Uh, you have the Backlash, which is an industrial dump truck, uh, and it's very beefy, and uh, you can cause a lot of damage in it, but it's difficult to control because you can only hit things successfully with the back of your truck, so it revol- it involves 
drifting a lot and mm-hmm. spinning into buildings. And um, so you can do a lot of damage, but it takes a lot of getting used this to. This is one of the uh, the games really the game really commits to this vehicle because this is by far the most challenging vehicle to use well because you have to sort of time your turn so you're hitting it with the back of your vehicle right as you slide by. And you can use the R button to kind of control your drift a little bit. But one thing I remember about this game is on the later levels, you have to use this thing a lot mm. more often. And it's very unforgiving. It's like if you sort of, you get less and less time on these harder levels. So if you start sliding incorrectly and mess up at the beginning, you're kind of just fucked and you restart now, the level. You had a really it's, good, like, loop going. Like, it's yeah. very, now this is my first time playing it. What do you play it quite a bit? Yeah. And you had, like, a whole series of kind of curly Q loops that you were going in. You found, like, the rhythm to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, there's a beautiful art to, like, a fine ba- backlash. Yeah, no, there play. really is. It takes oh. some skill. I, I would I would really I mean I'm sure there's many speed runs of this game but I think this would be a fun game to watch someone speed run. Oh yeah, actually yeah. really would. Yeah. Um so our next vehicle would be the Skyfall. This is not the Bond <laughs> movie. This is a dune buggy driven by so, Judy Dench. <laughs> driven by Dame Judy Dench. Uh and uh yeah, so Skyfall is a dune buggy that's very small and very fast and it's got a little booster on it so you can cover ground more quickly. But the only way you can really do damage with the Skyfall is to hit a ramp and fall on the buildings, mm-hmm. hence fall from the sky guy uh you can't like with all of these vehicles you can eventually knock them down just by bumping into them which is sometimes if there's like a tiny corner of the building that's left it's sometimes faster to just bump into it like three times but generally if you try to do that you're going to run out of time yeah it's going to be a problem if you're trying to do that the entire time uh so skyfall i found a little difficult to control Mm -hmm. just because you need to get up the ramp swing around get back down the ramp so but the game was pretty forgiving about it like your impact when you land even like a small jump is noticeably bigger than just hitting it with the side of your car uh sideswipe is a cool uh vehicle this is a semi truck that has special uh pneumatic battering rams kind of along the side of the cab and uh you literally you sidle up on obstacles and then you ram them sideways you press r to like shoot out these mnemonic presses that destroy the buildings to the side which i learned when i was trying to do one of the stages that this consumes ammunition so there are little boxes of ammo you need to pick up and uh, so you can't just go, like, jamming on the R button as much as you want. Oh, and the gimmick sort of behind this uh, vehicle is that you want to go between two sets. Like, most of the levels are designed with buildings on each side. So you between them so you can get them on each side with one push of ammunition. Yeah, think, like, storage unit rows. Yeah. So, like, go driving down those and just boosh, boosh, boosh. Like, really nice. That was a fun. I enjoyed driving that one. Uh, now we're getting into the mix. So we have J-Bomb. Well, well there is one more. Is there one more uh, there's at least one more vehicle, which is, I don't even remember what it's called, but it's like a trike. Oh, the ballista. Um, yeah, you're right. I had that here. The ballista. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so it kind of kind of looks like a vehicle from Rock and Roll Racing. Um, it's a little got bit. Yeah. two two wheels. Um, or I don't know. Did it have three on the back and one in the front? I think it just has two. I think it's okay. just a motorcycle with fins. Yeah, like and, and little... on each fin, there's a missile launcher. Yeah, so yeah. you can press the R button to just barrage missiles. And um, this one, so it adds that extra element of you don't want to just waste your shots because you have limited ammunition. Right. And you can only shoot like in a straight path ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And the ballista is, it's small and lightweight, so it's not going to do a whole lot of damage ramming into buildings. It'll take you a little bit. Yeah, and it gets pushed around a little bit. It's another one where if you sort of get lined up wrong and get all disorganized, you should just restart the level. Yeah, yeah, kind of. All right, now we're into the mechs. So yes. J-Bomb is a mech suit that requires you to fall on buildings from a great height. So you boost up in it's your got rockets. A jet, it's got a jet pack, mm-hmm. and, and then it you go up high enough, you press B, your guy does like a flip. And you just smash the building from the top. I mean, how fucking cool is that? Like, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's it's like a little bit of pilot wings and then a little bit of like superhero pose. You know, it's like you just go way up high. And if it controls kind of like the glider and pilot or it like the, the jetpack and pilot wings. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice and, and uh, intuitive. And then just slamming down on a building. And if you, I don't know, if you hit it in just the right spot, you can blow out the entire building. Right. Usually you want, it requires you aim right one or for two the jumps. Middle. Yeah, but if you hit that, like, I, I demolished, like, what looked like a hospital by d- stomping right in the helipad on the top, and the whole thing went out, and it's just incredibly satisfying. Uh, Thunder Fist, we talked about earlier. It's a powerful robot that harnesses the awesome power of punching. <laughs> you uh, you do a little roll, and then you have one giant Hellboy-style fist. You do an uppercut, and it just d- demolishes everything. Uh, pretty fun, pretty easy to control. It's simple. And the goofy. mechs are, uh, as you would expect, generally more powerful than the vehicles. But the game doesn't give it 
give them to you as much. No, not very, but you have to hunt for them sometimes. And then the last one, uh, which actually we didn't play with this one in our playthrough, is the Cyclone Suit, which is a small mech that you roll around into buildings like a ball. So mm. I didn't see this one. I think but... I grabbed it once, but it had already cleared the level. But I have so. been playing a lot of uh, Mario Galaxy 2, and there's that boulder suit in there, so I imagine it controls <laughs> like that. It does um, like these cool somersaults and stuff. Oh, yeah. And then there are a lot of littler vehicles you can use. So there's like a, a van, a police car, or a muscle car, and those are done for like race little race levels. And then you can take control of a train or a, a crane or a barge in some levels. And those are more like puzzle. This game has a real mix of um, sort of mellow things at the start um, where you have plenty of time and you just sort of walk around and leisurely destroy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um sort of puzzle solving where you have to like switch from vehicle to vehicle and just really precise intense like precision play like when you play those levels with the dump truck and you have to do everything right yeah and as you go forward the carrier starts going faster and faster so there's less room for air absolutely yeah and it's it it picks up so quickly all right so uh there there are 57 total levels in this game Uh, each of which can be completed with either a bronze, silver, or gold star rankings. And rankings kind of depend on how much of the world you've destroyed, how many RDUs you find, how many survivors you've rescued, things like that. Uh, stars, uh, each star gives you a promotion points, and every 12 promotion points, you bump up a rank. There's 31 ranks total, and uh, they're just honorary, as near as I can yeah. tell. It's just kind of, here you go, nice work. It's You're just a completion percentage, essentially. Basically, but uh, but it, it carries over. It's like, uh, you know, you can keep, there, there's a master rank that you can reach, and I forget the name of it, but they all have kind of goofy names. <laughs> Um, Perfectionist a, crusher. What did we reach? Like Marauder Ravager or something like experienced that? Experienced Ravager. Experienced Ravager, which does not sound Will like Will Chamberlain something... is, was an experienced Ravager, oh, I can tell you. <laughs> That's a reference for 1990 kids? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're really going to a lot of effort to give you replay value here in mm-hmm. a pre-trophy world. This game has uh, no other modes. It has no multiplayer functionality. It's just a single-player game straight down the line. Um, so you start, your map is kind of just a globe that you can move around and you move to little nodes and the nodes expand after you beat levels. So there's like main action levels and then there's training and then there's like little race segments. And usually one, beating one level will open up two or three more levels. So you usually have multiple levels available at a time to choose from until you get to like the last level of a difficulty and you just have to grind it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we started getting into it where we blaze through the early levels pretty quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and it does a very nice job of holding your hand through these mechanics. You get to learn how to use each of the cars, uh, learn how to travel travel between things, and they make the rules pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a fairly it's a simple premise, like right down the line. You don't need a whole lot of explaining, but some of the mechanics do take a little getting used to. Um, controls work great. Like right off the bat, they just kind of made sense. They just picked them mm-hmm. up, and they're good to go. Yeah, I feel like any sort of issues of the difficulty of controlling the cars is sort of a feature. Mm. Um, I mean, like the dump truck, for example, is very frustrating to control very. and hard to get it to do what you want to do. But, but it's occasionally, to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not the it's controlling the way the game wants it to. It's just very precise. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it does get to a point where this game does get very difficult and very frustrating mm. and that's sort of a blemish on it but at the same time this is a ge- this is a game i would say if you like the trials games mm, um, yeah. like those motorcycle like play the same level over and over try to get a very precise score and like one little mess up will just force you to restart this is the n64 equivalent of that is the trial i think games. that's a really good comparison actually yeah. yeah yeah trials is a really fun little game too and it, it's working, I think, on me because normally I'm not the type to go back and try and beat my high score mm-hmm. or anything like that. But the games are so like small and digestible that you can replay it all. Yeah, pretty one quickly. level is like two or three minutes. Yeah, I, I like looking for secrets. I like to try, and the fact that you're on a timer means sometimes you have to go back and try it again and again to find the secrets that you're looking for. And it does just need to be said: the sense of destruction here is just so satisfying mm-hmm. it's just really really fun. like i know i'm just looking at like blocks <laughs> i know i'm looking at blocks and like uh old nintendo 64 explosion effects but it just like the early levels were very like zen gaming very like oh yeah okay i get this everything's controlling well it's fast i have plenty of time i'm gonna cruise around destroy everything 
and it's just super super satisfying and the explosions look still pretty good honestly Actually, like yeah, when you compare bad. it to battle tanks like you were saying of things just kind of melting yeah or um even Goldeneye, like when you, because um, Goldeneye has so much slowdown usually yeah. when things would explode. I would say the explosions here look better than that. They do. And I was saying when we were playing, like the one level of slowdown I can usually like appreciate is in destruction games like this. When you're blowing up just so much stuff mm-hmm. that the game is like, all right, right, chill, buddy. All right, let us catch up with you. You know, that's when it feels kind of satisfying. Yeah. It's like, because uh, maybe it's kind of like an action movie slow-mo feel, yeah. you know? It's like, oh yeah, all right. I'm and this it. game, this game does reward you for um, unlocking stuff. Like aside from just the ranks, which are kind of goofy, but um, if you sort of, you said there was a side quest of finding scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you f- a lot of these levels have these hidden beacons, which you have to go through these extra steps to get. Like maybe you need to find a hidden – you need to break a special building to switch to another vehicle and then drive sort of across the level to find this hidden beacon. Mm. And um, if you get enough of these hidden beacons and scientists, there's sort of bonus levels at the end where you actually go to the moon. Okay. This was – I think I feel like this was a thing in multiple games. I'm, maybe I'm getting confused with the cruising games or something. I was thinking the cruising, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, because we talked about – yeah. yeah, yeah. Doesn't that, that happen in USA? Yeah, I think so. And this is the same uh, – maybe Cruising World is the one it happened in. But, oh, it could um, be. Yeah, this is – I think that's the same premise is they decide the way to get rid of these missiles is to launch them up into space. Okay. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally making this up. But I mean that makes sense. Yeah. But I mean if they could do that the whole time, why did they carve they the have, swath of destruction across the They have the to get it to the launch pad. Oh, I have to get it to the yeah. launch pad. Okay. Well, I the think. whole premise of this game is so silly. Like, oh, it's very silly. Because it's like <clears> – <throat> This game encourages you to destroy sort of peripheral buildings. So you've destroyed everything that's in the way, and they're like, eh, go destroy some other buildings. We'll pay you. But also, we're going to rescue the survivors in there. And so the fact that the game calls them survivors (laughs) implies that you're killing tons of people (laughs) as you destroy all these buildings. Yeah. Yet the game has this real fun, bouncy soundtrack. It's got this, like, talk about the soundtrack at all. So the first song you hear is kind of like a lightly techno banjo jam. It's kind of like a not fully committed concert. Yeah, with like a real bounce, like boom, boom, boom. Right. There's real like jug band theme to, to all this. Yeah, it, it's. I, I almost wonder if they're going for like a Dukes of Hazard vibe with yeah. all the, like the crazy cars. Yeah, and that's a that's a good comparison to the sound. But it is weird to be like, there's a loose missile. Does it, it's like how them Duke boys gonna destroy that nuke? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, they're gonna crash into a bunch of buildings they don't need to destroy. Yeah, exactly. I feel like, well, uh, look at them survivors run. <laughs> doom, 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 I, doom. I feel like the blast core okay i think the fact that they're like vets or something like from some military program kind of i feel like they're working out some aggression here because it's like they have free reign they have a government contract to go through and carve this destruction to save the world and then they're like oh free reign okay oh take that rec center yeah uh, let's drive across town to that dairy queen and take that out you know and it's they're uh they're they're destroying things they don't need to and the game even tells you itself it's like yeah these buildings over here you don't need to destroy but it's fun. Yeah. And, and this game also does a good job, aside from the satisfying um, destroying of the buildings, this game also realizes that it's fun to see your money count go up. Yeah. And as you destroy buildings, you just see this money counter in the upper right, and it just gets to this absurd sort of smash TV right. level of... Uh, it's, it's wealth beyond <laughs> anyone can ever imagine yeah. by, like, the fifth level. That was one of my all-time favorite things in the smash TV game, is you would get these prizes as you played, like, uh, the fabulous home game or a toaster, and then at the <coughs> end of each level, it would count up your toaster bonus mm. and your cash, and like the, it would get higher and higher pitched as it was counting up, and you thought the speakers were gonna blow out because <laughs> the prize money just went so long. Yeah, yeah. Right. It makes me think kind of a cookie clicker too. Okay. Like the the amount of money you're uh, multiplying gets so oh, fast, yeah. so high, you're in the multiple trillions like before you know it. It's it's pretty goofy, but it is very satisfying to think like, yeah, yeah. Look at all this destruction I'm causing, you know. This this is just kind of like like I mentioned the early levels felt like Zen gaming. Once you beat the early levels that are set on easy, you go to medium, and immediately it's stress city. Yeah. Immediately it's air traffic controller on speed. It's it's like it becomes so a stressful. game of inches. Like before, right. you like beat the beat the level, and you have like a mi- two minutes to just kind of explore around. It, as soon as you start these harder levels, the guys like I'm about to run into a building. Right. And so. Like they, one of the, the first medium level it gave us, all we had control of was the skyfall. And we did not have a long time to get up these ramps and destroy these buildings. Yeah. It's like you have to destroy this little village immediately. You get a little bit of leeway to run ahead and start taking out the next one. But 
there's a lot of buildings, not a lot of jumps, and the sky falls a little like slow when you're getting up these hills. Yeah. So it's very tense right off the bat, and you start seeing red arrows instead of green arrows for the first time. And the music speeds up. Yeah, yeah. It's not quite like Sonic Drowning music level, but it's like getting oh, to that man, point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sonic Drowning music. Oh, that traumatized me so bad. I know. It's I hope so they keep tra- that in the new movie, though. <laughs> oh, I hope yeah. there's one scene where he's like barely alive underwater. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, and well, you said there was 57 levels in this game. Yeah. There's only like. 10 easy levels. Yeah. Which implies that most of the levels are medium or hard. Yeah, the level, and, yeah. And the I know medium, yeah. When they get hard, they get real hard. Yeah. This is definitely a game for the people who are willing to play the same level over and over. It's uh, for the for the cupheads out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The cuphead heads. The cuphead heads. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, I, I think I'm definitely going to want to come back and play mm-hmm. this, though, because... It's just fun as hell. Like, it's just really, really fun. Like, and this is a combination of genres that you just never see. Uh, There's really nothing ever like this. Like, and I'm hoping that Rare will now kind of follow up. I know Rare's star has fallen quite a bit, but they did release the Rare replay for the Xbox One. Uh, This game was on it, and this was singled out at the time by a lot of reviewers as kind of this lost Rare gem. Yeah, holds up real well. I definitely think it is. This is not a game uh, I would have looked twice at on the shelf growing up because if you look at the cover, it's like, oh, okay, just a bunch of yellow dump trucks and some guy. It looks like a guy. Like, you can't even really tell there's a mech on the cover. Right. Um, so you don't really know what it's about. I was always confusing it with Charlie Blast Territory. Ooh, which is not a game you want to Not a game you want to play and very, very different and uh, way worse. Um, so I, I hope that this one gets a lot. Get some love, get some uh, HD upgrades, get something like that. You don't want to mess with this formula too much mm. because this is a very distinctive genre. Uh, we, I couldn't, yeah, we couldn't think of any games that are the same as this game. No, there's it's, really nothing else like it. Um, yeah, but again, write in if you know something that is similar to this or a spiritual successor or something like that. But, uh yeah, I don't know. I just I had a hell of a time with this. I had a uh, uh, what's a what's a good term for like uh, when you, you had, had an exceptionally hmm. good time. You had a a ball. I had a ball. You That's had, why they call it ball yeah. core. Yeah. Okay. You had yeah. an explosive time. I sure did. You had a thrill a minute. Mm. You had a white a knuckle experience. Projectile blowout. I wish there was a better word for this, but nope, you know, there is not. Always, oh, I had a core. Uh, I had a real core with this game. That's why they call it core core. <laughs> that's why they call it core core. Uh, we're running a little short, but I mean, it is only one game. It's a pretty simple game. Do you have anything else to uh, add about uh, Blast Core? Um, no, I, I do feel like we've said most of what need, needs to be said. I don't. I just want to emphasize again that this game is sweet, and yeah. if you're looking for an N64 game. You should buy this one. <laughs> Definitely. Like, uh, this one is not expensive. You can find it pretty much anywhere. And this is due for uh, for a resurgence. This is due for a rediscovery because I, I I started getting really excited just reading about it when I was researching. Like, this sounds really fun. And then I heard from people on Twitter and uh, everything and just, like, saying how fun this game yeah. is. Yeah. It's a total blast. It's an absolute <laughs> blast for sure. Uh, I think we know uh, generally where we're going to rank this, but let's move on to our rankings. Sure. Uh, Each week we are ranking the games that we played and adding them to our list. Uh, Woody, why don't you start us off? Sure. I'm putting this at number 15 on my list. Excellent. Which is right ahead of Mortal Kombat 4 Mm. and right behind the NFL Blitz games. Um, Obviously, the Blitz games are very near and dear to my heart, but uh, I think Blast Corps offers a lot. Um, It's a shame that there's no multiplayer to this game. I'm not quite sure how that would be. But being as, I don't know, this game has such a good groundwork of gameplay, you can mm. do something really fun with the multiplayer. I mean, you and, can do like a destructathon or something like that. Yeah, or like a race to see who can destroy more. And this, or even a. This game would work fight? really well as a co op mode. Oh, like, yeah, um, yeah. of you just each have different vehicles and you're sort of teaming up to destroy buildings. Like, that would have been very hard to pull off on the N64. Especially in the but, early days. Yeah, didn't but know. If, if the spiritual successor ever happens... Please do. Um, yeah, that, that would be great. There's there's a lot of room to expand on this game for how good it is for the first time. Yeah, so I'm putting it number 15, which is very high. That's a great it is, spot. It's a very good game. And uh, <laughs> confirming a lot of the theories I read on Twitter that this would crack our top 25 for both of us. Yes, definitely. Cracking the top 25. This is my new number uh, 17. Nice. So that's going right below Mario Tennis and right above Ogre Battle 64. Um, yeah, this is a treat. This is a real treat. And this this feels like 
kind of the somewhat hidden gem that we've been looking for for a while here. But I, the thing is, is I, I played you this knew one. it. You yes. knew it, yeah. It's a hidden gem for me, at yeah. least. But, uh, but you knew it was great. Well, thank you so much. We have uh, a couple of letters from our listeners Wonderful. here. Uh, our first letter starts, Hello, Boyks. And I don't know what Boyks means, but that's how we're being uh, uh, hmm. greeted on this one. Okay. Uh, I was thinking it. the other day about the finale of the podcast, or at least the N64 incarnation Ooh. of it, and couldn't help but wonder what you had planned for the last game. I know the podcast started with the most middling, mediocre game, so I was wondering <laughs> if you could give us a hint. Are we going out with a bang, with a great, big, great hit of a game, or with the biggest, nastiest fart of a game at the very end? Or maybe we end where we begin, with just some boring game no one cares about. Eager to hear what you have planned, and that's from Chris. He has a, a postscript here. P.S. In a prior episode, you mentioned that the Video Game Hall of Fame is in New York. While you are correct that it is in New York State, it's actually in the city of Rochester, where I live. We're a small city, and I worry that saying New York gives the impression that it is in New York City, and it we does. need all the love we can get on the opposite end of the state. Please correct this. I am not a crackpot. <laughs> so, <laughs> all good emails end with, I am not a crackpot. <laughs> I, I like that postscript. But, but yeah, um... As far as the end of the visit, podcast, like... Yeah, visit the uh, Video Game Hall of Fame in yeah. Rochester, New York. Go visit that yeah. in Rochester, New York. I'm sure there's yeah. many other wonderful features of Rochester, which I am not aware of. I'm, but I've, I've heard Chris it's is nice. there. I, it, it features at least one non-crackpot resident. Exactly. And you know what? New York is the only state that has an upstate. So I think mm. that it, they obviously named it because something is special up there. So, what about you know. Pixarburg? Pixarburg. That <laughs> has an upstate. <laughs> I hate that. It's right next I to the Wally State. Oh, I hate it. Oh, it hurts me. Um, anyway, the end of the podcast, which should happen now after that uh, after that joke. But, uh, uh, no. Yeah, our last um, game was Blast Core. Yeah. And what? With our next episode is going to be every other game on the N64. <laughs> it's going to be a 12-hour podcast. Yep, yep. We're just going for it, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm... I'm th Right now, I don't know what's at the end of the list. I forget. And the list, like, changes from time to time. So, like, I don't know exactly. I, I imagine I'm probably going to want to go out with the uh, mediocre nothing game. Yeah, I don't know. Fun. Go we'll out the way play Space in. Invaders again. Right. And we <laughs> might all... I also figure, like... The last game will be an episode, and then there'll be an episode kind of recapping everything, kind of a goodbye episode sort of thing. But uh, don't worry about that. We got a little while before that. Yeah, don't we're not me. even thinking about that. Oh, wait, we... It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect us more than it affects you, Chris. Yeah. We're just going to like find ourselves our with free hours to just sit on the couch and stare at the oh, ceiling. God. Be like, what is our life now? Yeah, Jesus. I don't even uh, – it makes me sad to think about. Anyway, yeah, so uh, uh, just stay tuned. We'll let you know. Um Here's our next uh, our next letter here. Hello to the Ultraist podcast hosts. Yeah, nice. we're the Ultraist. Uh, when you when you said this week's episode would include 1080, which was our episode last mm -hmm. week, uh, a bunch of memories came flooding back of my go-to guy, Ricky Winterborn. The name was just so on the nose that I've had it stuck in my head for 21 years. Are there any character names that have stuck with you since the game came out? Thanks and keep up the great show. And that's from Benjamin. Um, so I was trying to think. I have kind of a cheating one. Okay. But... Technically, I did learn of this character's existence through a video game and only later okay. learned that it was a comic book character. But I still think it's absolutely ridiculous that the Silver Surfer's real name is Norin Rad with two Ds. Yeah. And that's a character we're supposed to take seriously. And you this learned this like, playing the Silver Surfer game? I learned it playing the Silver okay. Surfer game. Like, yeah. that's how I learned it. And uh, and then I, like, would read the comics and he's, like, this very mystical kind of serious Ultra powerful character, and his name is Norin Rad. But he is also a Silver Surfer. Like, like that's the thing. There's a lot of weird conflicts going on. Silly. Yeah, but, but like that's the thing. It's it's that name and that character. You think he's like the cover of a juice box or something, but he's he's like this ultra powerful cosmic god. So I just think I like the discrepancy between those names. <laughs> um, uh, I I have uh, a real answer too, but you, okay. you should go first. So um, one thing that doesn't that surprises me is um, the name Guile oh. from um, Street Fighter has never caught on as a name. Like I live. <laughs> We live in uh, the Pacific Northwest where many people name their kids very weird things. Sure. I have met a harbor. Okay. Um, and so I'm just surprised that Guile hasn't been a go-to weird name. Because it's not that weird, but it's still pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder why that – I mean, I don't know. Maybe Jean-Claude Van Damme tainted that um, character a bit. Yeah. Well, that maybe was it's my... not. Maybe it's not a trait that you want to associate with your kid. Yeah. Like my son is full of guile. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. Very... 
well, and I, for whatever reason, I, uh, I think because I saw the movie first, I never associated it. I always thought that Guile was the main character of that series, okay. which he's definitely not. No. He's like a tertiary character, but because they made him the focus of the movie, that's what I thought. But so maybe he's just kind of fallen by the wayside, you know. I'm, I'm sure there are like I know there are some camis. I know, yeah. I'm sure people name their kid Vega. You know <laughs> why not? Um, my real answer to that though would be Alucard, which oh. I think is hilarious because yeah. it's just Dracula backwards, and I just love the idea of just naming your kid your backwards name. So I would have an Evitz. Like, and people would just, then one day he would hunt me down and kill me. Well, I don't even know what mine. Yadua. Yadua. It's not great. I'm sure there are many people named Alucard. I feel like. Oh, there's gotta be. Which is why I'm surprised there's not as many Giles. But um, Um, I I, I do have one actual, another real answer of something that. I don't know why I know this, but there's a Super Nintendo game called Skulljagger Revenge of the Westikins. Oh my god, I know that game. Where you use, it's like a pirate game where yeah. you use bubblegum to fight. The main character in that game is named Storm Jackson. Whoa. J-A-X-S-O-N. You are bringing me yeah. back so bad. I remember like finding that game and getting mildly obsessed with it because I was convinced this is a game no one else in history had ever heard of. Yeah. It's the most obscure, stupid thing and ever. And we, we have found each other. We found we, each other with all the right, well, Skulljagger. That, yeah. That's clearly the, the last episode of this podcast <laughs> is on Skulljagger Revenge of the Westikins. What the fuck's a Westikins? Not, not for Nintendo 64. Westikins sounds like, sounds like a uh, like a designer dog breed. <laughs> it's the podcast where the only two people who would have been interested in it are on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we have one last letter here. Uh, hey, Steve and Howdy Woody. There we go. Thank you. It's the, how, the token Howdy. The Thank token you. Howdy. Uh, really enjoyed your episode on GoldenEye. Thank yeah. you. So did we. Yeah, that was um, a great episode. I thought I would share my story of my friend who played so much GoldenEye that he memorized the spawn points in the level. Oh, yeah. He would place proximity mines at the spawn points, oh. so I would die like five or six times in a row. What a fucking dick. Oh, yeah. That's horrible. Uh, do you have a game that you are on a level above <laughs> most people you play with? So my game is Tetris. I have to hold back when I play with mm. other people or it's over too fast. And that's from Adam. Um, so, yeah, I, first of all, I do remember people doing that yeah. shit with GoldenEye, and I hated that. Nah. Uh, that's why I would usually... Pretty dirty. We would we would ban Oddjob, and we would ban mines in our house. So, yeah, some people love the remote mines or the proximity mines. That was never my style. No, no, no uh, way. Um, as far as games where, like, I'm above, I don't think there are any video games where Steve I'm is, above. Steve is below everyone I'm, on any video I'm game. I'm below or at par with everybody in video games. I do think I'm a level above with, like, pub trivia, things yes. like that. Like, I do need to pare it down sometimes or shut my mouth and let other people Or I guess trivia answer. video games for trivia that video matter. Game. Yeah, no, that's so true. That, that's that true. would expand. Yeah, yeah, so that would, that would count. Yeah, I would say that. My game is uh, NBA Hangtime. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Because Although I, I do want to see you and Dan Emmerich play. Yeah, I no, I would love you. that. Oh, I, yeah, I believe it. Well, one thing about that game is that game has a really powerful, like, built-in slingshot mechanic. Yeah. Of uh, If you're ahead, the other team gets a lot of boost to their shots and stuff. So even though I think I'm much better than most people at that game, I still usually don't win by a ton. Right. Um, but I think fair. I win by more than most people generally do. Definitely. And, um, that game also has the weird aspect of sometimes having a computer player on your team is an advantage. Mm, yeah, so I have yeah. beaten many other two people with a computer on my team, but I don't know. Usually the disadvantage is you play, you give me the less good player, and then you give the other person the computer. Fair, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I wish I was better at video games. I don't think, yeah, I, I can't think of any games that I'm just like... <laughs> I don't think super good. I don't think I don't we're that com- kind of player. I don't play competitively very often. No, I, I kind of prefer a solo experience. I don't know. And well, yeah, because most games to beat them don't require you to get fantastic at them. They no. just sort of you get good enough. And I feel like the games that require you to get really, really good at them are games that are like online arena shooters. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna have much fun with, like, Star Wars Battlefront or Call of Duty unless you start to get really good at it or yeah. playing Smash Brothers online. It's like, I thought I was good at Smash Brothers and Until then I, I played, played online. online. That was my thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, in-house Smash Brothers, like, I... I do have, like, people would ban me from playing Game & Watch. Because okay. whatever reason, that's my go-to guy. Sure. I'm really good as Mr. Game & Watch. Uh, so if I'm playing competitively with a lot of people, I don't play that character. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, no, I'm terrible. <laughs> Generally terrible at things. But, but, yeah, again, I just, I don't think, I feel like there's a couple 
different sort of styles that people play games and yeah. it's some like they just sort of search for a mastery of the same game like they find the game they like they get really good at it and i think yeah. those people are more common now being in there's so many popular online games and i don't think you and i have ever been that kind of player we no. sort of get good enough to beat a game and then we move on to the next game pretty much yeah that's kind of my thing i just i'm, I'm more about quantity yeah mm-hmm. i like to just try a little bit of everything uh, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. We genuinely had an explosively good time mm-hmm. t- playing this game. Uh, next week, we are moving back into a galaxy far, far away. We are playing a game called Star Wars Episode One: Battle for Naboo. And I think this means I can no longer put it off any longer. I have to watch... Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. I'm going to watch it. Uh, I think some of our guests that week are going to watch it as well. Woody's a maybe. Yeah, uh, I'll watch yeah. it. Not excited about it. I'm not either, but I feel like I I'm kind in a of... weird place of like not having a strong opinion on Star Wars Episode One, aside from feeling like I don't really want to watch it. Okay, but... all right. Well, maybe, maybe you know, maybe I'll be surprised. I haven't revisited it in maybe 15 years, so maybe I'll be surprised. But uh, I'm still very angry just thinking about it. Um, you, you have now completed your life's purpose of um, describing Blascore to us. I guess your mm-hmm. new life's purpose is talking about Star Wars Episode One on a podcast, which no one has ever done. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I think I will be the first one. Yeah, yeah we, we yeah. are hitting an untapped market here Google of search Star Wars talking podcast. about prequels yeah. on a podcast. Exactly, yeah. So uh, tune in to that next week. And uh, oh. hey, you know, watch Star Wars Episode One with us uh, if you want to... Uh, Uh, suffer along and we also yes I remembered we have a Patreon we We get used to us talking about it it's gonna happen Um, we're gonna give you the updates um the, our first episode on Sin and Punishment, the N64 import, is already there. Mm-hmm. And starting this week, um, it should be up right now, yeah, by is the time you hear this. Rock and Roll Racing for the Super Nintendo. So to yes. get access to those, join at the $5 tier. If you want to vote on what game we play next month um, for a non-N64 game, you can choose... Bet- or we, we, we haven't got the voting... Oh, yeah, we will have voting. Yeah, we'll have voting. So you can yeah, choose yeah. between Night Trap for mm-hmm. Sega CD and Battletoads for the NES. So we have to play one of those yeah. games. So, <laughs> Which uh, one do you want to inflict on decide us? Decide how much you like us, really, basically, is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. I don't even know which game they're choosing. If that's, do they, well, that's if they true, like us, like, do they make us play Night Trap? Or? If they like us, they'll make us play Battletoads single player. Okay. If they dislike us, they'll make us play either of the other options. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so go ahead and do that. Also, we have uh, our, our other show, Just Friends, yes. the show about uh, us reading through our uh, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. Episode 8 just dropped this week. We got a lot of stuff going on, guys. So uh, check us out at Patreon. If you're Patreon. not tired of our voice yet, yeah. you will be soon. Exactly. Patreon.com slash Ultra64Pod is where you can find us. And uh, we have a couple of patrons on there already that we love so very much so thank you everybody all right everyone uh i uh i think we got to go i just got a call that there's a uh, missile silo it's about to blow i don't know we, we need to go get in the mech we'll get, um, grab grab the jug and the banjo yeah. <laughs> good night everybody